Our sponsor this half hour is Built Bar. I just had one this morning. Man, they are good. They are so good and uh, perfect for snacks or if you're running in between meals or whatever. It's what my wife lives on. And uh, unlike us, she looks good. She (laughs) is getting so (laughs) skinny. Uh, I mean, she's but she's in shape. She's in shape. She's yeah. Muscle, muscle, muscle. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's annoying. You better watch out. She'll beat the snot out of you. If she yeah. ever finds out about. Well, well I don't want to bring it up. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Bill Bar, get your uh, get your resolution fulfilled. Lose weight, feel great. It tastes amazing. It's a protein bar, really healthy. BuiltBar.com uses real chocolate. Use the promo code Beck for twenty percent off your next order. BuiltBar.com promo code Beck. Finally, relief is on its way, America, and nothing spells COVID relief quite like a hundred million dollar underground electric train uh, for Silicon Valley. I mean, that's what America's been screaming for the whole time. We got to get back to normal. Could we please get a hundred million dollar electric train for Silicon Valley, you know, with federal funds? Because Silicon Valley, that is a struggling area of the United States. It's not like, you know, one guy could put in a train himself. It's not like that at all. We need government money to be able to do that. Well, good news. The Democrats are on it. And your $100 million electric train, Silicon Valley, thank goodness your COVID relief is just about in the mail. The Glenn Beck Program. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about uh, coming up in just a second and some perspective on the news. Uh, American Financing is our sponsor for the last year or so. I've been telling you, if you're a homeowner, you need to consider a refinance of your mortgage as soon as possible because the historically low mortgage rates that we're experiencing won't last forever. And it's true. The market is tricky. Uh, sea change is on the way. And if you're somebody who is fiscally responsible, or even if you're someone who'd like to be more fiscally responsible, now is the time to make a difference in your own future and that of your family. Take a little time today. Give American Financing a call. Just give them a little bit of your time to find out what they can do to help you get in the best possible financial footing. You're prepared then, no matter what comes down the pike. Maybe that means refinancing your mortgage, getting a little lower interest rate. Maybe it means bundling your debt together into one manageable monthly payment that could end up saving you hundreds, if not $1,000 or more every month. It's American Financing, 800-906-2440, or go to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Mm. Thank goodness Nancy Pelosi is here to rescue the day. Uh, We have the $1.9 trillion COVID relief legislation. Uh, Thank goodness. Thank goodness. It it does. No. Well, let me just let me just say this. Um, 
the platform of the DNC back in July. No sacrifice is too great for the American public to endure if it means getting more Democrats elected to office. Now, that's the way I read it. That's the way I read it. Day 31 of the Biden administration, we get the 591-page bill the Democrats are proposing to act into law. Buried in the text of the legislation is a section from the House Transportation Committee to fund $30 billion for transit systems to prepare, to prevent, and to respond to coronavirus. Wait. To prepare to prevent and respond to coronavirus, $30 billion for new transit systems. Can you do the math on that one? Because uh, I'm, I'm trying really hard. Uh, maybe the vaccines will come via train, underground train. Is that what it is? The bill funds a billion dollars for projects under Section 305B of public law. The Fixing America's Surface Transportation Act. That section created a pilot program to fast track federal funds on projects meeting certain specifications that has been using in applications for funding for the Bay Area Rapid Transit System for Silicon Valley. Uh, looks like the bill uh, and other related documents, the new relief bill will provide BART with about $112 million in funding for the continuation of the 6.5-mile extension from its current terminus in uh, Militas, uh, whatever that is, down to San Jose, then back to the city of Santa Clara. Oh, my goodness. So they're going to, they're gonna, for $112 million, uh, Silicon Valley is going to get another 6.5 miles out of it. Which, you know, in California, you couldn't bike ride. You know, you really couldn't. You couldn't do that. You couldn't, you couldn't walk 6.5 miles. That's for sure. You, you need the under. You couldn't get into your electric car and drive it. No, you, you have to have that 6.5 extra miles, you know, for COVID reasons. I'm speaking specifically for COVID. Well, nothing cures COVID more than getting everybody inside of a little tube. And right. in, close con- right. in close contact right. and breathing uh, yes. all over each other. Yes. That's great for COVID. Yeah. Now, also in the bill, uh, you th- they have the $15 minimum wage, which I think, again, is what America said. When we first donned our mask, we said 15 days to slow the curve and $15 an hour. That's what I was thinking. I don't know about you. <laughs> I was thinking, if we're going to slow the curve in 15 days, we need a $15 minimum wage. And thank <laughs> goodness, Nancy Pelosi is there. Uh, she, uh, the bill also includes $1,400 stimulus checks for individuals earning less than $75,000 a year, married couples earning less than $150,000 a, a year. The amount decreases for individuals and, couple, uh, and couples earning over those amounts. Uh, so we 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 have that, uh, including three hundred and fifty billion dollars in federal funding for states and localities, as well as four hundred dollars uh, in weekly federal unemployment benefits on top of state benefits. So I think that's you know, I think that's that's wonderful. Uh, that means we're going to be bailing out the states of California, New York, Illinois, which I think is wonderful. I think is wonderful. Uh, you know, they shouldn't have to worry about the bill that they racked up. Don't you think? Oh, no. I mean, that's, I think we should. 
That's our fault. Yeah. I, I think us in the that's our fault in the red states. Yeah, it for is forcing them. It is for fairness reasons right. to implement all these policies that have ruined their society. Exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Now, um, fifteen dollar uh, uh, wage. I know, as a small business man myself, uh, I know that the thing you need when you're really struggling is the government to come in and say you need to increase wages. Mm-hmm. That is the best recipe for success. <laughs> You know, when you're like barely making it and can't bear, you just barely can keep the doors open. When the government comes in and says, yeah, I need you to add at least $5 an hour to all of the employees that are working for minimum wage. You say, thank God the government is really here to help. They are here to help. Now, now sometimes progressive congressmen or any congressman for that matter will say things that Everybody knows their thinking, but they don't really usually come out and say it. Uh, Representative uh, Khanna has uh, has come out and uh, here's what he said on the $15 minimum wage. Well, of course, large businesses like Amazon uh, and McDonald's, for example, can can and perhaps should pay more. But I'm, I'm wondering, what is your plan for smaller businesses? How does this, in your view, affect mom and pop businesses who are just struggling to keep their doors open, keep workers on the payroll right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, they shouldn't be doing it by paying people low wages. We don't want uh, low wage businesses. I think most successful small businesses can pay a fair wage. If you look Mm -hmm. at the minimum wage, it increased with worker productivity until 1968. And that relationship was severed. If workers were actually getting paid for the value they were creating, it would be up to $23. So I love small businesses. I'm all for it. But I don't want small businesses that are underpaying employees. Ah, okay. Ah, well, okay. You, well, you can solve that problem for you because they're all going to go away. You won't, yeah, need you, won't, you won't need them. Yeah. All the small businesses and great thing, all of the minimum wage jobs. Yeah. Like you are going to see kiosk after kiosk in most small businesses or places like McDonald's. They can they can afford it because they can afford to buy the kiosk, which will uh, eventually pay for itself and doesn't require, you know, health insurance or anything else. So McDonald's can. Yes, they can afford the fifteen dollar minimum wage just to fix the kiosk. They can. You know, they can. And what's interesting about that is they just did a study on this on McDonald's specifically, this exact corporation they're talking about Mm -hmm. and the way they, quote unquote, afford it is to pass on 100% of the increases in the wages to the consumers. 100%, not 50%, 100%. So the people who are going to McDonald's, which generally speaking are fat guys like me and Glenn, and people who (laughs) maybe have a cost concern, those people get to pay more that's More great. That's for great. the same product. That's great. And it it's doesn't great. add to the food desert at all. No, it? no, not, not at all. all. Nope. Not at all. Because they'll have the kiosk. So your kid won't be able to have a job at Subway or, you know, McDonald's or anything else because those jobs will be eliminated or those jobs will go to adults, you know, that don't go. What? What's your order? <sighs> I can't hear you. You know, it doesn't go to those people. Uh, if you're paying $15 an hour, you might expect a little higher quality than a pimple-faced, uh, angry kid might give you. Yeah, and then they'll never learn to work, and this has rippling effects throughout our society. Oh. I also love the point where he's like, look, you know, I just think uh, successful small businesses can afford uh, to pay their people minimum wage or uh, a living wage. Well, okay, let's just say, for example, some 
certainly some could, right? Yeah, There's yeah, certainly, yeah, sure. But like, are we only keeping the businesses that are thriving in the middle of the pandemic like there's a lot of companies that are not successful right at this moment yeah so what does it mean for them wait like, wait i'm trying to get my arms around that what's making them not success oh, successful right now is it democrats have closed all their businesses oh, <laughs> largely uh, okay, and also we have right. a global pandemic and a lot of people don't oh, want to go okay. out to, to to do these things all right i was just so, thinking that it was that they weren't hiring 15 an hour workers no, no what's interesting is the whole justification uh, for the 1.9 trillion dollars right is an admission that these these small businesses are not doing well huh and that employees don't have jobs well that in the train so to do something that will hurt well, the train too, obviously. I mean, you need the train. <laughs> I'm saying the public justification. I mean, not how it's are really those happening. how are those workers in Silicon Valley getting to work other than on that underground train? You got to have the underground you, train. You, you have to have. Got to have it. You have to have. But that. like, the idea is we need 1.9 trillion dollars because number one, these businesses are struggling. Mm-hmm. Number two, people are out of work. Mm-hmm. So their solution to that is a $15 minimum wage will have less people in work and more struggles for these businesses. Now, this is weird that you would bring this up mm. because I've got a couple of other pieces that might explain some oh, of this. Really? Yeah, You're, I do. I do. I don't understand. Well, They've, give me a minute. Hang okay. on. We're going to take a quick minute break. And uh, then, we're, then we're coming right back uh, with uh, an explanation. Of course, probably conspiracy theory. Uh, coming up in just a second, stand by. Right now, Patriot Mobile. Probably the piece of technology you use the most throughout the day is your cell phone. Whether it's calling or texting or posting your latest kitchen creations to social media. Throughout the day, you're using that phone for all kinds of things. Which means, of course, that you're shelling out money. And you're putting it into the pockets or of somebody. And they're supposed to give you a service back, right? That's what you counted on. But who is that somebody that you're putting money in the pockets of? If it's one of the big mobile companies like Verizon, uh, you're giving money not only to Verizon, but Verizon has taken some of your money and giving it to leftist causes that you would never contribute in everyday life. You're funding probably Black Lives Matter. I know you're funding, uh, you know, uh, pro-abortion activities and Planned Parenthood. Well, do you want to keep doing that? Or do you want to stand with the people who are giving you a great service at a better price and um, not doing that? In fact, shoring up things, taking a portion of their you know profits and putting it towards things like the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the right to life, you know, those kinds of things. This month, get free premier activation where they set up everything for you. You also get a special gift with the offer code BECK. Same service, a lower price, and the values you believe in. We have to come together and stand together. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash BECK. That's PatriotMobile.com slash BECK or call 972-PATRIOT. 10-second station ID. Now... Wow. Governor Gavin Newsom uh, has uh, plans to vac- vaccinate school staff more quickly, um, you know, more quickly than. Well, right now uh, they have in the warehouses about four million vaccinations just in California not being touched right now because, you know, you got to make an appointment. You know, you, 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 you have to be a special person. It's not like you could just open up the floodgates and say everybody can get a vaccination now because we're making three million vaccinations every single day. 
everybody should have a vaccination. No, no, no. They want to do it a different way. So it's taking, yes, a little longer. Mm -hmm. uh, But hey, it's not like the economy is affected or children are affected at all. Uh, The uh, California Teachers Association, the second largest school district, uh, is um, continuing their negotiations on when they can come back to school. And they're like, not sure. They're not sure. Everybody has to be vaccinated before those teachers feel safe, which is weird because it's not what the science says. You know, follow the science. And you'd think teachers who are always lecturing us about science, uh, that that would... um, that, that would play a role. But. You know what's better than a vaccination, though, I found? What? Um, getting paid for not working. Yeah. That you, you is know what's, awesome. You know what's better than negotiations? Hmm. Firing them all. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How would yeah. they get paid without working if you fired them? Oh, They're going to be a $15 minimum wage. Okay, okay. And they'll be able to look for that job on that new six and a half mile train. <laughs> so, uh, I, I honestly, fire the teachers. Time to fire the teachers. Well, these in California, they are they had a big parade, a car parade. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, on Saturday and a big press conference. Um, and uh, and it's wonderful. Now, our kids, you know, don't, don't worry about the kids, um, you know, or, or really any of the facts. Drug deaths have jumped have jumped 25 percent in the last year. About 7% of the UK children have attempted suicide. 7%. Uh, And they have another, what is it? uh, Self-harm is like another 24%. 24% of children in the UK have uh, have inflicted harm on themselves in the last year. But don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Let's not think about the kids. Japan has a record high 479 school children that committed suicide during COVID. Hmm. Uh, but don't again, don't worry about any of that. We can't get back to normal. We can't open up these schools until the teachers feel completely 100% safe. Now, let me give you a couple of ideas of what's happening here. Israel is way ahead of everybody. Israel, smaller country, but they have made vaccinations, you know, a priority and they're getting it done. Israel has raced ahead. The fastest COVID vaccination campaign in the world already. Half of their population has at least one dose, one dose. But here's the thing that really bothered me. Well, let me give you good news. In uh, in Israel, they just voted last week to open shopping malls, museums back to the public, subject to social distancing, blah, blah, blah. And gyms, cultural sports events, hotels, swimming pools also reopening now in Israel because they have half the population inoculated. We're saying now that even after inoculation, no, you can't go do anything. That's ridiculous. So dumb. It is absolutely ridiculous, and we all know it. Why would I get vaccinated if I have to still stay in my house? And that is exactly the problem, right? You're communicating to the people like, well, you can go get a shop. It's not going to do anything for you. So what's the point? You're incentivizing people not to do it. They, the government should be running ads. Hey, get your vaccination. Within four weeks, none of this applies to you. 
Exactly right. As soon, or whatever the timeline is, four You'd weeks, be six doing weeks. It. As soon as you hit that second shot, you no longer have to worry about anything. You don't. You can go out and you can go to concerts. You can go visit all your grandparents. You can go. You don't have to wear a mask in stores. That is what the 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 messaging from the government should be. Incentivize people to want to get this thing. Instead, so, they're doing the opposite. Here's here's one of the reasons why uh, what's coming our way. Um, Israel has a green badge system. You would think that Israelis would stay away from badges, um, especially color badges. But um, if you get your uh, vaccination, you get a badge and a QR code and you can scan it and you can go do whatever you want. If you've recovered from it or had the vaccine. okay, but that is coming. But that is also a way to track you. Now, remember what they said about the $15 minimum wage. They don't want some businesses. That is also what is happening. They are intentionally crushing the middle class, crushing the entrepreneur, and trying to get them to A, break their spirit, and B, get on to the government dole. Which leads me to a story in the New York Times on the boredom economy. People are so bored. They are sitting at home and watching Netflix, etc., etc. They are, according to the New York Times, I'm getting things delivered within a few hours of ordering them. In terms of how it's affecting the economy, I don't know, but we're wanting to buy more and more and more because so many of us are bored at home. So we're online shopping. So you're bored at home and they're seeing people because it'll be delivered sometimes the same day. You just online shop and stay at home, which, of course, again, helps the small business person, doesn't it? (laughs) They have accelerated the technological shift and more is coming. And it is a it's a fence built around you this is the glenn back program all right you then these days probably the piece of uh, technology uh that uh, uh that you uh, use i'm sorry that's the last commercial i need to tell you about my patriot supply slowly but surely things are beginning to come back to normal here in texas Uh, No matter what side of the aisle you're judging things from, the truth of the matter is that our area was not prepared for this kind of disaster. Um, We had corruption in our midst. So what kind of disaster in your area are you not prepared for? It's easy enough to ignore these things until they hit, but I don't think you're that kind of person. We didn't have to worry about the shelves on the supermarkets, which were literally bear it looked like poland mid-soviet era there was nothing in the stores here please check out my patriot supply the food will stay fresh up 25 years in proper storage it's mypatriotsupply.com get the food storage you need before the next emergency the kits will ship in one to two days and arrive discreetly at your door it's mypatriotsupply.com don't forget to watch Radio Hall of Fame member Glenn Beck on blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You'll save 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. 
John Kerry has uh, come out on Friday and said that the record cold temperatures we're seeing global warming. Uh, I don't know how that works, uh, but the guy who you know flies on private jets and has a mega yacht and several mansions, uh, but he's different than all of us. He says it is growing too late. We now only have write this down in your calendar, Stu. Now we have John Kerry giving us nine years. So we have an official new clock, a new countdown, nine years to fix this. So, okay. We got that down. We, got, it? Yeah, that's, we got it down. No, no problem. Don't yeah, worry about we it. We only have nine years to fix it, and that's why it needs to be a cram down. Now, some would say that, no, no, I, I don't think I'm going to buy that. <laughs> uh, some would say, no, I don't think the cold weather uh, is because of uh, global climate change, because... Texas has had this kind of cold weather before. It it happens from time to time. Um, you know, but maybe it's just me. But the world is waiting for America. Even though uh, reports now come out that uh, about 230 miles east of Moscow, uh, there is a uh, there's a pack of dogs that have been discovered that their fur is blight, a bright blue. Now, it could be that they've been hanging out around the chemical plant, but Moscow doesn't know. They have no idea. It may be an entirely new species of dog that is bright blue. But remember, America is the crap hole that is holding <laughs> the rest of the world back. Uh, Joe Bastardi is uh, with us, and... Uh, he is the uh, chief forecaster at Weather Bell and also the author of The Weaponization of Weather in the Phony Climate War. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Guess what he's going to say. Hi, Joe. Hi. Who would have ever thought? Uh, hi, Stu. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Pat. Hi, everybody. Uh, <laughs> who uh, uh, You let in with John Kerry. And I'm like, oh, man, you're just like waving a red flag in front of me. Who would ever thought that John Kerry mm-hmm. could be an advertisement for my book? Since right. The whole book just what? counters that kind of. There's actually a chapter on that: the weaponization of global, the global temperature. And uh, you know, I, I just I'm watching these statements, and um, I can't believe it. Joe, really Joe, 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 it. Joe. We only have nine years now. And I know we had 10 years about 15 years ago, but this time uh, we now have nine years to solve this thing. Otherwise, we're doomed. We're doomed. And you saw what happened in Texas, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. You better believe I saw what happened in Texas since we were uh, my company was way out in front of it. You know, we have, we have major clients in Texas, construction companies. And uh, on February 10th, uh, you know, as publicly as I could in as many people as could co- I could contact, you know, my dad used to say, if you have to tell someone you're good at something, you can't be that good at it. Right. But, on the, uh, you know, not everybody follows me or whatever. On February 10th, we said uh, category, the winter equivalent of a category five hurricane, most five day extreme winter weather event in Texas history. And I actually put the maps of 1899 on that uh, Infamous outbreak in 1899. By the way, I'd like to question uh, Senator Kerry. 
Uh, how did that happen? 1899 with that outbreak and then the 1900 Galveston hurricane. You can't get more extreme than those type of swings that were going on back then. And uh, the only thing I could say is that it must have been the horses that were adding whatever they were. Adding oh, yeah, to yeah, the yeah, the methane. So wait, so wait a minute. You, uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you call the state officials and say, hey, guys, prepare. Here it comes. Well, what happened was, uh, you know, I have contacts, uh, and one of the contacts is uh, Sean Hannity, who forwarded my book. And, uh, you know, I was mailing Sean and everybody way in advance, and Sean uh, called uh, Governor Cruz, or Senator Cruz and Governor Abbott, and uh, Friday night I got a, I got a call from uh, Senator Cruz, and uh, we talked for about a half hour, and then uh, we talked uh, talk with Governor Abbott. Uh, and then the staffs of both uh, staffs of Senator Cruz's staff Saturday morning to really try to get them ahead. But by that time, it, it was sort of too late as far as what the state could do. You needed a response starting four or five days away. I, I actually tweeted that, Glenn, that this should, and this was the middle of it was on Wednesday. I tweeted that there should be a uh, federal response the same way as preparation for a hurricane goes. A, a winter type response, getting that equipment in there, understanding that we were going to have the kind of freeze ups we were going to have. And, you know, it, Saturday morning, I was uh, digging into the Texas newspapers and I realized that they really didn't get it. Um, they were saying, oh, it's going to be cold, but we've had these kind of things before. This was completely, it was 1899. It was, uh, uh, it was uh, different from 83. 83 was a little bit colder in many places but not as much snow in 83, mm -hmm. uh, the 83 outbreak. Now, I know all this stuff because I have no life except the good Lord above, my family, and the weather. So I go <laughs> in and dig into all these maps. My father's a meteorologist. He taught me the foundation I stand on today was built yesterday to reach for tomorrow. So if I know yesterday, if I see maps from yesterday, I say, wait a minute, that's showing up again Guess what's going to happen? And the, the interesting thing about this is I do this because I love it. This is what God made me to do, so I'm going to do it as hard as I can. And the second thing is it benefits my company because what happens is everybody is just looking at the computer models and consensus, and there so many great forecasters out there. But if you can add something more, something different, uh, and, and help people out with that, you uh, you add so, value to the product, and then you see what happens. All right. So you, one of the things that you uh, added, you said the the three previous big freezes predicted this one. Is that just from the maps, the computer models, and the? the well, yeah. Th th there's certain things that go on. There's certain signs that go on. For instance, a week before the freeze, I have a couple of I'm not going to say their names. They're, they're meteorologists in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, on Saturday night after I got out of church. We had a big map discussion. Uh, they called me up and we were talking about this. This is a week before. And here's what they were confronted with. They said, Joe, we're reading what you're saying. You're referencing 83. You're referencing 1899. None of the computer models are predicting those numbers. You know, they were all 50 and a low of 35 and things like that. And mm. so we went over the whole thing, and there's a certain type of, a certain type of way that Texas gets really cold. It, you, you need the ridge of high, the Arctic ridge of high pressure to run from Montana down to Midland. And what happens is it's high pressure 
that actually causes Texas to get brutally cold. You get the buildup of low-level cold, dense air in the northern plains, and it oozes southward. There are these small pulses that come in. And one of the biggest things that was going on, folks, was that the, the run-up to this, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday period, the computer-generated numbers were busting horribly one day away. They were predicting a high of 15 or be 40, high of 40, if we 28. And what happens is if you're, let's say you're auto- automating your your load estimates, if you're an energy company, and you're saying, well, we're going to use this computer model says it's going to be 50. And, well, guess what's going to happen if you're in Dallas? It's going to be day after day after day of buildup of error and then what happens when the real cold, the, the strong. So how can cold? our models be this wrong? And yet they say they can predict what's coming, you know, in well, nine they years. Can't, they can't. They're tools. And I, I talk about that in my book. You know, I, I think people should get the, you know, and I know it sounds like I'm shamelessly plugging the book, but it's almost as if the book was written for what's going on now. I didn't know uh, Joe Biden was going to be president when I wrote that book. Right. And and yet I wrote it because I felt there was something to say and alert people to about the weaponization of this situation. No, the the models are tools to use. See, they're not the answers. They're ways to get answers. They're outstanding ways to get answers. But you've got to know, based on what happened in the past in comparisons, how to use them and when to use them. And it's a matter of waiting. It's a matter of what we call attribution. And that's the problem with the climate, the guys on the climate side of the issue. I see what they're saying. I have a lot of good people on that side of the issue. They've done great research. I read their stuff all the time. I want to know what they know, not what I know. I can't increase what I know unless I hear from someone else. So what happens is that they, they look at one thing and put all their eggs in one basket. When you have all these models, all these what we call analogs of the past, the physical, uh, the physical drivers of the atmosphere at that time, you have to decide as a human being, as a forecaster, to try to do a service for your client or whoever, how to weight them. Is this stronger than this one? How do you blend them together? And that, t- that takes a lot of dirty work. You know, there's a saying, the will, everybody has a will to win. But the will to prepare to win is what counts, and it, it's preparation. It's no different. I used to wrestle at Penn State. It's no different than what we were taught on the wrestling mat, except we do it with the weather in my company, where it's just constant, constant looking at things. So anyway, Joe, I uh, hope that doesn't sound too pop. No, it, it, no, it doesn't. Thank you, because I know your record. It doesn't. Uh, Joe Bastardi, his, his book is called The Weaponization of Weather in the Phony Climate War. Uh, Probably a really good book to bone up on because we are entering uh, a new battle and a new era. And it is this one is powerful. This one, they say it is going to be done uh, and we will be in a Green New Deal. The weaponization of weather in the phony climate war. Joe Bastardi, thank you so much, Joe. You know what's worse in the beginning of the house selling and house buying process? The end of it. Because if you don't do it right on the house selling end, you're going to end up with a lot less than your house is worth or might be worth. If you don't get the right real estate agent on the buying end, you don't want to be on the end with getting a house you know, that you thought you really wanted uh, and then you got ripped off with it or the house that you settled for. 
All of this and more is why you should check out Real Estate Agents I Trust. It's a free service to you that I started with my brother a number of years ago because I got tired of uh, the norm of not knowing how to find a good real estate agent. Just, I don't know, friend said this one, friend said that one. You really need to know who has the best practices, how they're going to help you. They have a team of professionals who are going to propel your home buying and selling process to success. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com, a free service to you. realestateagentsitrust.com. The Guardian has reported now uh, that NHS uh, figures, this is from Great Britain, released last week show that in the five weeks since the third lockdown began, COVID-19 accounted for 65% of deaths of people with learning disabilities. 65% of deaths, learning disabilities from COVID. Office for the National Statistics show that the rate for the general population was only 39%. So what's going on here? Well, that was the uh, question uh, that uh, the England's Care Quality Commission looked into, and they found that nurses, doctors had put uh, do not resuscitate orders on the charts. So if you had a learning disability, you didn't get resuscitated. That, that may be uh, part of the problem when doctors or nurses are putting that on your files. This is phenomenal to me, if true, if true. It's, again, people who think they know better. They think they know who's worthy, who's not. And they decide for them. You're not worthy of living. You are. This is a progressive model. It's a socialist model, but it is also a model that we warned you about when there's shortages of care. When there's shortages of care, somebody has to make the decision on who lives and who dies. And people say, well, that's not fair that we're doing it with money. Okay, it's not fair. But. Is it fair to do it because people have learning disabilities or they're mentally slow in one way or another? Is that fair? Is that what we should be doing? When there's shortages, people have to make those decisions. Uh, And I know money's not fair, but at least some handicapped people will have money. Or their families will have money. And so you're not going to weed all of them out because some government bureaucrat says, you know what, they're not worth saving. Not to mention, of course, when wealthy people purchase things early in their cycle or when they're expensive, they wind up paying for other people to use them later on. No, that's not. Makes the technology cheaper. We know this from everything from big screen TVs. Do you remember your first big screen TV? Shut up. Yes, I do. Glenn paid more than the entire GDP of Madagascar for a flat screen TV. My wife did. It was a Sony Trinitron, the first flat screen to come out. She got it for my 40th birthday. 
and it was remarkable, remarkable. It was $10,000, $10,000. I looked at her and I said, no TV. And she said, turn it on. Pat came over a lot and we just, you know, watched TV a lot. <laughs> but now you can get a TV that's double the size with more features and higher quality for $400 at Walmart. Yeah, that wasn't even a, that, that wasn't, that wasn't high definition. That was standard high definition. No, that was standard definition. Oh, oh definition. my gosh! I mean, that's crazy. But again, like you know, you could say back then, be like, oh, "Well, only people like Glenn Beck can afford this. It's not fair." Well, it became pretty freaking fair, pretty freaking fast. It did. It did. And you know, look, I, you know, it, this idea that socialism is going to solve these things. Uh, I mean, we've seen how many times is going to be proven that that's not the you case. Anti-collectivist. What yes, do you thank know? Thank you. Yes. You anti-collectivist. Yes, that's exactly what I am. Ever since he tried Rough Greens for the first time, my dog Uno is a completely different dog. And I hear the same story from person after person who has tried it. And it's not dog food. It's something you take just a little measuring uh, spoon and you just put it and mix it in with the food, put it on top. And the dogs love it, love it. And it is full of probiotics and minerals and vitamins, all of the stuff that your dog needs, all the stuff that you need. It's not in, especially kibble food. My dog was easy. First time he tried it, he loved it. Uh, however, some dogs don't love it. The uh, inventor or the scientist behind Rough Greens doesn't want that to stop you from giving it a try. So he's going to give you the first bag for free so you can try it out with your dog. Make sure that they love it. All you have to do is pay for shipping. Uh, and once you pay for shipping, they'll ship the bag to you for free. They, I just asked them how people who have put this on the dog food for a couple of months, maybe three months, how many of them cancel afterwards? And he's like, when the dog dies. I mean, it does make a difference and you will see it. Just try it. There's an amazing thing happening with our churches all over the country and really all over the world. In Canada, there was a pastor named James Coates. He was preaching. He was supposed to only have 15% of the congregation, but he said, I, I can't. I'd be violating my oath to serve and preach to anybody who wanted to listen. So I'm going to preach on Sunday. Well, people came, he was ticketed. The next Sunday, they came back, they arrested him. He's in a maximum security prison for preaching. And not crazy stuff, just preaching. Maximum security prison, no bail, and solitary confinement. What are our governments so afraid of? What is really going on? We talked to his attorney in 60 seconds. So, 
if you live anywhere within a day's drive of where I live, you've probably been living like you were in a Siberian gulag in the past week. You know, we have power. Sometimes you have drinking water. Sometimes you don't. Do we have food? Here's a real question. How would you have been fixed for eating if this would have happened to you? Even if you had to cook over the fire you built in the middle of your living room, were you eating well? We, we were. We had Omaha steaks, breakfast, lunch, dinner, open the freezer, or in our case, we took all the stuff in the freezer and we put it out in the snow. You could grab a steak and uh, Uno uh, found some of the uh, sausages that were sent from, and I'm really, anyway, um, Omaha steaks, they're shipping now. Don't get stuck with the, without really great food in the house. They have an unbelievable assortment of steak and chicken, fish, side dishes, desserts, something for everybody. You want a great deal. Look for their butcher's bestseller package full of burgers, pork chops, sausages, desserts, and and so much more from Omaha Steaks. Type in Beck in the search bar for this special offer and order the butcher's bestseller pack today. You'll save over 50%, plus you'll get four free chicken breasts and four free burgers. That's Omaha Steaks, keyword Beck. James Kitchen now joins us. He is a lawyer with Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, something that is relatively new. It's about 10 years old, and it's a voice for freedom in the courtrooms of Canada. Uh, he is here to talk to us about uh, Pastor James Coates, who is now, is he still in maximum security? He is, yeah. He's in the remand center in Edmonton. And who goes to that prison usually? Well, people who are awaiting their trial, right, which is, which is what he's doing right now, currently. Um, that's, why, that's why we refer to it as a remand center. So, um, you know, there's a, I think there's a wide mix. Uh, certainly his, his cellmate um, was, was coming off of uh, some, sort of, some sort of drug. I think it may have been meth uh, for the first day or two that he was in the cell with Coates. So uh, I can imagine there's, there's a wide range of, uh, of, of guys in there. And was he in uh, solitary confinement for a while? Well, I don't know if I'd quite call it that. I mean, what was going on is that he wasn't allowed to have any visitors, so he couldn't see his wife. He, he was only let out for 40 minutes a day, um, and he wasn't allowed to have any you know, normal social interaction with anybody except, of course, his cellmate. The reason for that is, is, is of course, the, the 14-day COVID uh, you know, isolation restrictions uh-huh. that they have prisoners coming in so that's so that's not like normally in the prison you are able to receive some visitors and you have some you have some time out with in a common area with some with some other prisoners he's not getting that because of the covid restrictions not because of any other reason um so i I mean solitary confinement probably isn't quite the word but it's certainly it's certainly taxing to only get those 40 minutes out and not be able to to see to have any visitors so what is happening why was he arrested tell us the story sure so um his church is is probably one of the few um, that not only believes they should all meet together uh, at the same time on a, on a morning, um, but but are but are going to are going to do it even even when the government says not to because you know they uh, they first of all I mean they they don't they don't believe in the science behind it they don't they don't think it's a justified violation of their rights because they don't think there's scientific evidence to back it up but but. Um, you know, it's also a violation of their religious beliefs, right? Because if they, if they, they, they follow Scripture, and Scripture says we are all to meet. 
and meet in person, not over Zoom, so that we can, you know, pray together, sing together, do baptism together, have the Lord's Supper together, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So his church meets at its at its full normal capacity, and he's the head pastor. He presides over that over that service most Sundays. So. Because he was at that capacity and not at 15%, which is what it's supposed to be here in Alberta, uh, he did that for several months, and uh, eventually he was, uh, he was arrested and, and released on, on, uh, on a Sunday after a service. Given an undertaking by the police, he refused to sign that undertaking, so he refused to agree with it, so there was no real undertaking. However, the next Sunday, he held church again, and the police asked him to turn himself in, and when he did, they charged him with breaching that undertaking. And that led immediately to a bail hearing. Now they also charged him with 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 breaching public health measures, but that was kind of that was kind of the key uh, charge there because that's the only one that's criminal. And so that led to a bail hearing. At the bail hearing, he was released, uh, but he was released with a condition, and the condition was that he stopped breaching the public health orders, which he couldn't do, of course, because right. that would mean now church would have to be at fifteen percent. So because he wouldn't agree to the condition, he had to be held. In jail now are they doing this to business people well they haven't put any business people in jail um you know i i have a lot of experience with this now but i can tell you there's there's a lot of tickets um there's a lot of attempts by the local health authority to close down the businesses um there's been some court applications and some court orders but they haven't they haven't um, actually arrested and and tried to throw any business owners in jail yet so you would think that business owners don't have the standing that a church would have. Uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember what your, your Bill of Rights is called up in Canada. It's not as strong as ours, but ours is worthless right now. Uh, but you have protection for speech and for religion, right? We do, yes. It's called the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and it's the portion of our Constitution where our civil liberties are protected. And uh, Section 2, uh, 2A protects freedom of religion, and 2B expects, uh, protects freedom of expression, as you said. 2C protects freedom of peaceful assembly, which is, of course, also being exercised on a Sunday morning by this church. Um, yes, we, you know, we, yeah, similarly to you, we have these protections. They're not, they're not worth much unless the, unless the court has a will to enforce them, unless the government has any sort of will to respect them. They're not worth much, unfortunately. So that's that's the situation we face. And yes, the, the the pastor would have more rights than a business owner. So why was he singled out, do you think? That's a good question. I hmm. you know, he's been he's been doing this for a long time. It's been three months. Um that he he has been um you know, just saying, look, I, I, I serve Jesus, not the government, and my church is going to continue to do church as we, as we see uh, is best for our people, is the most loving thing that we can do for our people. And is it there, actually be here. has there been extreme breakouts among his flock? No, there hasn't, or? Been, there hasn't been any. There hasn't been any. I, I, I can only say that perhaps the government is, is, after three months of him doing this, has, has kind of just, you know, they said enough's enough. We've got we to gotta, we gotta do something about this. But, but but wait, there, there hasn't been any outbreak of COVID in his congregation. And while he was being arrested, aren't the numbers going dramatically in the opposite direction? I mean, shouldn't they be easing up on these restrictions? Because the numbers were, were going way down, were they not? Well, that, I mean, that's, that's the elephant in the room. Are the restrictions about politics or are they about safety and health and medicine and science and facts, Right. So, I mean, you know, this is a church of 400 members. They've had no outbreaks of COVID. Nobody has died of COVID, uh, but they have, they have had somebody die to the lockdown measures. They had somebody die 
uh, prematurely because he couldn't get his cancer treatment. So, um, hmm. yeah, no, this isn't, you know, this isn't, this isn't ultimately, in my opinion, about science, facts, medicine, evidence, safety. It's not about anything, it's about politics, right? So, because if we did, if we did actually just care about, about, about trying to uh, keep people safe or public health or what have you, then if you had a church that was open full on for three months and had no outbreaks and no issues, uh, you'd leave them alone. Yeah, they're obvi- obviously it's working. Obviously, obviously the government is wrong about about their restrictions on churches. Obviously, it's working, and and obviously they're fine. And maybe, maybe we should actually go worry about the nursing homes where the problem really is. Right? So that, that would that would be a reasonable approach, but that's not how politics works. So if it's politics, do you have faith that the court is not tangled in politics? Cause here in America, it is. Well, I mean, where is it not? Right? Uh, I mean. Of course, of course, my faith is is is, is not is not solid. Um, you know, I certainly hope and look to the courts for them to for them to think independently, for them to fulfill their role to be a um, you know an effective check on government power, an effective balance on that, to to be a sober second thought and to not merely accept everything the government says, but to actually critically analyze whether or not it's true. I I would hope for that, but. So far in Canada, I've seen very few instances of that happening. Most of what I've seen is the courts simply rubber stamping uh, government government measures. So it's terrifying. I, yeah, it is. So um, what what can people do to help? Well, first of all, did they the church? I assume was going again yesterday. He was still in prison. Uh, they had another pastor, and was he arrested or fined? He wasn't. Interestingly enough, for only the second time in three months, uh, the public health inspectors did not show up. Um, and the local law enforcement uh, were in the area, but didn't even enter the parking lot. So that was interesting and surprising. The church was certainly prepared for, for you know, uh, the hammer to come down. And so it's, it's hard to know what they're thinking, but it, but it, 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 it says volumes that, uh, that nobody showed up. Uh, the, the church had a, had a large number of people there. In fact, um, they, they had they had to turn people away uh, just just to just to be in accordance with their normal 100% fire code for actual safety. Uh, they had to turn some people away who kind of stood around outside and, with, and listened to an outdoor speaker to the service because they didn't want to leave. They were so happy to be there. So uh, <laughs> it was interesting. So what can people do to help? Well, you know, I think the most important thing people can do is to stop self censoring. Now, obviously, some people agree with this. They agree with the lockdowns. But for the, for the growing number of people who don't, it's important on, on an individual level that each one of them stand up and be counted and speak out. And, and, and if they, if they agree, disagree with it, to say so, right? And, and, and to take some action, peaceful action, of course, but, 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 but actually say, no, this is wrong, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to let my politicians know, and I'm going to start talking to people I know, and we're going to start, you know, uh, live in life and 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 uh, not believe in this stuff anymore, and we're and we're going to say so. That's the biggest thing, right? It's, we got a lot of people who disagree with it quietly; they don't say anything. And then there's just a few people like Pastor James Coates, and then the government tries to single them out and take them out. But if all the people who disagreed and opposed it stood up and said, "We're done with this. We're 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 tired of being governed and policed in this way. We're tired of our rights being taken away," then this thing would start to crumble. Well, I will tell you, um, that would be the easiest thing. I know that Pastor Coates' wife said over the weekend that uh, don't stand by the 15% capacity limit. She said, uh, you know, even though my husband is in prison for it, the best thing you can do is open your churches and and stand up 
because they can't arrest all of us. That's right. I mean, she's she's not wrong. I mean, that's just how it works, right? It's 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 still a democracy that we live in, right? It's it's obviously it's starting to fall apart, but we're not. It's not a, it's not a it's not a totalitarian dystopian nightmare yet. We're on our way there, but it's not there yet. There's there's still it could still be turned around if enough people said no. We don't want it to go there, so we're not we're not going to let it go there. We're not going to put up with this, right? Uh, yeah, she's she's right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, James Kitchen, uh, lawyer for the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. We'll follow this story of Pastor James Coates, and uh, please keep us updated. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. You bet. You know, they say uh, it isn't the times you fail that you regret so much as the times that you didn't try. Well, tell that to anybody who tried to, you know, buy a timeshare and succeeded. You know, it's you, you kind of wish you failed right there. Um, if you're one of those people, I'm guessing you've had quite the frustrating time trying to book the timeshare that you wanted, that you were promised ever since you got it. I bet that goes double for when you have COVID. I mean, the horror stories that I have heard, it just awful, just awful. Sure, you could continue to uh, drink the pain away, but that doesn't usually work. May I suggest timeshare termination team? They're the solution. They'll get you out of your timeshare 100% guaranteed or your money back. Time to end the madness. Timeshare termination team. Get the process started. Don't keep putting it off. Get the timeshare nightmare behind you. 20% off when you terminate your timeshare if you tell them that I sent you. So call them at 888-GET-YOU-OUT, 888-438-8688, or visit them online at timeshareterminationteam.com. Peace of mind, 100% money-back guarantee, timeshareterminationteam.com. 10 seconds, station ID. What is happening? And what, how frightening is it that we're starting to have conversations from people like that that are are saying we're not in a totalitarian nation yet. It was, it was insane to even say that five years ago, eight years ago. When I said it, everybody, that's crazy. Now we're hearing we're not there yet. There's still time before the door closes. But do you see people actually forming and saying, I'm opening up my church. I don't care. Arrest us all. There's some of that, but it's not as Few common as you like. I will say, you know, a lot of churches are back in, you know, in session. Many of them are. I, I don't think in the United States you have any right to regulate even make it 98 percent capacity nope. let alone 15 nope now canada's rules are different and i you know um, <laughs> there's a reason why I'd, I'd rather live in the united states than canada and this is one of those reasons uh, but that is there's this you know i have a religious liberty attorney on with me this week on students america and i talked to him right as the pandemic started and he said there is very limited um, ability for the the U.S. government to and and states to be able to restrict in-person services in a pandemic. There is some precedent for it, but it is basically 
the shortest time possible. Mm-hmm. Like the first thing you need to do before schools, even before anything. Open the churches. Open the churches. I mean, I, only in the most extreme circumstances for the shortest term possible is it. And even if you're arguable. opening the liquor, liquor stores and the you know marijuana stores, and you're telling the churches yeah. you don't have a leg to stand on. No, you're not in the United States. You don't. Yeah. Well, you do. He was. I mean, he's very. He's right. That only means something if there's a will to enforce it. Yes. You know, and our Bill of Rights has been a joke for. At least a couple of decades. And I do think as as time goes on, we will see a lot of these cases brought up during the pandemic that run through the courts and, and get overturned, that these policies were not OK to have in place. Of course, obviously, at that point, the pandemic is likely over and it's no longer a consideration, but at least it may set a precedent for the future because these these cases have to go through. You have to have an ability for churches to meet, even if it's dangerous. Like the the fundamental part of of this society when it comes to faith is the government is out of your way when it when you, I mean you can do all sorts of things things are the cases that have gone through I mean you could do drugs right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like like the Supreme Court is like yes you could do illegal drugs if it's part of your religion it's that I mean they've gone that far so the idea that you can open up during a pandemic it's not really. There's no real argument. It's similar to what, you know, uh, FDR did, right? Like he would pass all these things and everyone would be like, that can't possibly be constitutional. And then later on, years later, they'd say, yeah, you were right. It was not constitutional. But at that point, the damage had been the done. damage had been done. And that's what's going to happen here. Hopefully, at least some of the stuff will get blocked out for the future. But that this is this is like there's this thing that the government is doing now. It's with vaccinations. It's with masks. This is sort of absolutism when it comes to covid, like basically do not take any risks under any circumstances. That's the best thing you can do. And of course, what does that mean? People, what do, what do people do? They say, well, I'm, not, I'm just going to do it. If you're, if you're going to be that ridiculous, screw you. I'm just going to do it. I'm willing to do things that are um, that that can help, but I'm not going to turn my life off for for this. And it hurts. It has made the situation markedly worse because people now are gathering in tiny apartments in New York City instead of gather going out to parks mm-hmm. because the government was dumb enough to say, hey, I mean, now it's cold. But even back when it was warm, no, you can't go out. You can't greet. You can't gather in parks. You can't see your friends. Don't see any of your relatives. If you're going to do it, you can't do it. If you, there's no there's no don't don't have Christmas dinner. Don't have Thanksgiving dinner. Not, hey, you know what, try to improve your ventilation or maybe uh, do it outside if you're in a warm environment like, you know, here's one. Get a vaccine or if you've already had it and you've recovered, just go back and live your life. That's Israel, right? Yeah. Um, Israel is saying, why are they so far ahead? They're saying to their population, as we mentioned, hey, get the vaccine (laughs) as soon as you're past this time period, then go back to life and don't worry about it. Now, we can all talk about how they're going to monitor that and everything. There are there are issues to discuss there, surely. But even if you just said to people, look, we'll do it on an honor system. If you got a vaccine, go out and do what you want. That would Most people are not going to try to fake out the government and say, I no, got vaccinated when I didn't. Especially, Most people will just go out and do it. Right. Especially if the government didn't seem so totalitarian. Yep. yep. I mean, once they say you must do it, that... Push it, especially in America, that used to at least push people's buttons, and they're like, Whoa. "No, no, 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 no! You're Don't not telling me, me what to do." It's true. Yeah, the more they push this, the more extreme freedom 
and freedom lovers seem. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So all good things must come to an end, and this includes your car warranty. Sadly. And the time between the day of your car's warranty ending and the check engine light comes on, those are scary days. Probably very few scary days. Car repairs are expensive. It's almost as if it's a racket. Anyway, your car gives out. The next thing you know, you're at the mechanic shop staring at some little computer chip that probably costs 50 cents to make, but will cost you about five grand. Don't worry about it. Have the peace of mind that comes with Car Shield. You're going to get the best customer service for a covered car imaginable. You'll also uh, have uh, free towing of your car to the shop. And the next time you're behind the wheel, Car Shield has your back because you're going to need a car as you are have your car in the shop. They provide that as well. Find out today why Car Shield cars go farther. It's 800-665-2157. Mention the promo code BECK. Save 10% at carshield.com. Get covered. Take the worry away. carshield.com. Look at the state our media is in right now. We need places like the Blaze more than ever. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Support the Blaze. Support conservative media. Use the promo code Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I want to go to Minnesota and Philip. Hello, Philip. You're on the Glenn Beck Program. Philip, are you there? All right, let me go to Paul in West Virginia. Hello, Paul. Hey, Glenn. This is Paul in West Virginia again. How are you? Very good, sir. Hey, uh, what we got going on today is um, I got got an email from Senator Charles Trump, our state senator, and uh, there's some legislation uh, coming up for uh, review uh, this week, uh, which pertains to uh, tax, property taxes and churches. Hmm. And I was hoping to get uh, people in West Virginia excited to call their delegates and state senators uh, to uh, get this push forward. Uh, what it is is in Hampshire County and in Putnam County right now, uh, the tax assessors of those counties are... Uh, threatening to pull the tax-exempt status from churches because they are going to allow uh, other nonprofit entities to use their building. And in accordance with the code, that would change the use of the building status. So, like, for instance, in Hampshire County, they wanted to allow a uh, Christian school, which doesn't have a place to meet right now and is just getting started, to meet in their building. And so right. the tax assessor said, if you allow that Christian school, which is separate from the church, it's, a tax, it's own tax-exempt organization, to meet in your building, that will change the use of your building, and you wow. will come under uh, property taxes <laughs> under a commercial rate, which would be about like $33,000 or something a year, and, and you'll lose your tax-exempt status because of that. In Putnam County, that's already happened. A uh, church in Putnam County was allowing uh, nonprofit organizations to utilize a large camp that they have down there uh, for, like, you know, disabled veterans and, and uh, disabled children, things like that. And they were charging a small fee because, well, the camp doesn't run itself. They don't have the wherewithal to pay for the upkeep of that whole camp. 
So they were charging a small fee just to cover cost. And they thought, well, that's okay because both entities are nonprofit tax exempt. But right. the tax assessor there said the same thing. Nope, changes the use of your property. And so they've been fighting for about three years now in our courts trying to get it fixed and trying to get it understood. And so we we called our state legislatures, and it just so happens that Mr. Trump happens to be a lawyer, and we sent him the information. He looked at it and said, no, they have standing. Unless we change the law, then it's not going to work. So right now they're in the process of submitting legislation to change that article uh, well, in our law. I hope uh, that people in West Virginia are paying attention uh, to this. This is going to be happening more and more often. And here's the thing that is going to sound really, really harsh. Uh, First, you're doing the right thing of going in and fighting it uh, and fighting it on the state level. All of our states, if you believe in the Bill of Rights, you need to get on the phone with your state senators, your state uh, House members, your governor, your attorney generals, and you need to say, we, we must shore this up. We want our state to be a sanctuary state for the Bill of Rights. That we, if the federal government decides to uh, decimate the Bill of Rights, we will not go along with it. Our churches have status. People have the right to free speech and free assembly. They have a right to protect themselves and to have guns. And we're not going to violate those things. That's the first thing you need to do. And Paul has uh, done that. And uh, the the next thing you have to do uh, is, if you're a church, realize that your tax-exempt status has been a nice luxury. But if you start making your decisions based on tax-exempt status... You are going to fall into heresy so fast. You will become part of the problem. So fight it because you want your tax exempt status and you deserve it. And because the idea has always been that our local churches provide services. For instance, first time I went to an AA meeting, it was in the basement of a church. Churches do those things. They let these public entity or these uh, private charities come in and use their building when they need something, because that's where we should be looking for our services. That's where we should be looking for our help is in our local community away from government. But I, I warn you, this is going to come to a place and our churches are going to be separated quickly. If you don't play by the government's rules, you'll lose your tax-exempt status. They make no mistake. They have their eye on the right. They have their eye on religious people. I just read something this weekend that lumps religious people in with the terrorist, you know, of of the uh, January 6th. That it's these religious people that get all wound up. Really? Is that what it is? Is that what it is? Meanwhile, you are going to see 
um, very powerful organizations. Next hour, I'm going to go into some stuff that's happening in organizations that'll curl your hair. They are going around the Constitution. And they are going to be part of the oppressors. How dare you say that? Boy, those are fighting words. Glenn Beck is saying that they're the oppressors. He's stirring his audience up. Really? Because I'm just using the same language that critical race theory is using. The oppressed and oppressors. And critical race theory teaches that the only way to solve racism is to punish racism with reverse racism. So I guess you're admitting that you're becoming the oppressor. You have corporations that are working with this. And let me give you an extreme example. The religious minorities that are being detained in Chinese concentration camps are allegedly being violently gang raped. One woman who has escaped has said that the policewoman uh, told her that she had been in, uh, assigned to investigate reports of rapes and torture taking place at the facility and how the male guards would brag about how they were raped and tortured. The first encounter with new detainees was approximately 100 men and women who were chained and shackled at their hands and feet. She said she witnessed horrible tragedies. Women crying loudly. Now, this is a woman who got out of China and was part of the prison system. She was there. She said, I didn't commit any of these crimes. She said, I, I saw this. Uh, and uh, later she was arrested. She was then put in prison and into this prison. And she said she endured nightmares. She said guards forced her onto a table where they inserted a stun baton inside of her and constantly shocked her until she blacked out. She said there was a couple of weeks that went by after that and she was gang raped by several men. Those experiences happened several times. She said they were sadistic and they caused pain and damage to my body by beating and smacking my head on the wall. It was just their daily routine of punishing us. Now, first of all, a couple of things. One. Didn't we all say never again? We are following exactly the same pattern that we did in the 1930s. This was happening, and what did people say? It's too far away. I can't do anything about it. Other people said, well, we only have a few words of some people that escaped, and they're probably anti-German or anti-Nazi. These guys are probably anti-communist or anti-China. I mean, you know, and probably a lot of them deserve it because, I mean, China said for a long time, these guys are terrorists. We're saying the same thing the people said in America in the 1930s. Our government is saying the same thing as they said in the 1930s about Germany. Now, well, you don't understand. It's cultural. It's different over there. These people have done some things that China just doesn't like. 
It was exactly the same scenario. And what's worse? Did you read over the weekend that IBM is getting rid of their medical uh, computer system? Remember I told you years ago that uh, IBM was working on a, a computer system in New York that was taking all of the facts and putting it in uh, to a computer system where it would be like, you know, Big Blue, the, the chess playing game, that it was trying to use AI and machine learning to do diagnostics. And it was starting to get really, really good. Do you remember this, Stu? And I told you this is four or five years ago that AI will eventually become more reliable than your doctor. And you will look at your doctor and go, yeah, yeah. But what does the machine say? Well, that machine was called Watson. Watson Medical. Watson. I always thought it was like, you know, Dr. Watson from Sherlock Holmes. No, no. It was the guy that ran IBM during the Holocaust. It was the guy who knew what IBM was doing in the concentration camps, sorting so they could pick them up, track them, know exactly where Jews were. Then sorting and making lists for the Nazis. Here's whose house you go to first. Here's how you end the day. Here's how many were killed. Here's how many uh, were on the train. Here's the train schedule. IBM did all of that. It's a little ironic that uh, all of the medical studies that were done on Jews in Germany, that the medical diagnostic system would be, called, would be named after the guy that helped the Nazis do it from IBM. The reason why I bring this story up is because Facebook and Google are in bed with China. They are helping them. Through social media and through algorithms, Americans are helping them do these things. And Americans are saying to themselves, well, if it's not us, it's going to be somebody else. Well, then let it be somebody else. We should be standing up for the people that are being persecuted, the people that are being rounded up. By the way, see if this sounds familiar. Spokesperson for the Communist Party, the publicity department, said that the religious minorities were not being rounded up, but rather claimed that China was only cracking down on heinous and obstinate leaders and backbones of extremist groups. End quote. Oh, good. Hey, by the way, that reminds me, we should talk about uh, Garland, who is uh, going to be uh, our new head of the DOJ, our new attorney general. Uh, he's got a he's got a thing for extremist groups. We'll tell you about that. Welcome back to spring weather. If you're in uh, Dallas, pretty much the snow has melted. It was 70, 75 yesterday. We've got about five minutes here of spring, and then it's going to go into a flaming hot desert, and it might freeze uh, you know, in a week or so, uh, but then it'll be just blazing fires of hell. So whether it's blizzarding or boiling hot, Rectech smart grill technology allows me to control the whole cooking process remotely. I don't have to stand outside in the cold or the heat. I can do it from an app on my phone or device. It's so smart that if the weather changes while cooking, 
it'll adjust to that and continue providing even more heating for the perfect food every single time. Rectech, built sturdy from stainless steel. It's like a tank. It's sleek. It's beautiful. You're going to love it, but don't take my word for it. A, B, compare them. Right now, you can go online and look at the latest Rectech, R-E-C-T-E-Q.com. It's Rectech.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Carlin Borisenko is uh, the psychologist that we've had on several times. She was the one that we first found her after she decided to go to a Trump rally. And she was a liberal. And she was like, I, I, I want to see this for myself. And everybody said, you can't go. They're going to kill you. Etc. And she was like, it was perfectly pleasant. She's still alive today. She's still alive yeah. today, despite the pleasantness Shocking. of the crowd. Um, anyway, so she's been on several times. Well, she's on a campaign to stop this critical race theory stuff. And she wrote a, uh, a piece on uh, Coca-Cola and what Coca-Cola is now training people to be less white. Now, I've always liked Stu's rule of thumb on how you can tell if something's racist. <laughs> Just switch the subject switch the color yeah so to be less uh jewish to be less black to be less brown does it sound good when you say that out loud if it doesn't that means you know the initial statement was also racist <laughs> exactly and right. it does not sound good to tell yeah. people to be less black yeah or be less jewish that does not sound like a good thing to say. No, to it really doesn't. So you probably shouldn't tell them uh, they should be less white either. So we have that whole story coming up for you here in a second. But uh, oh, I'm going to run out of time. I, my wife and I, uh, are we got into watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> it's like a hundred seasons. It's like a hundred seasons. <laughs> and we're like in the 11th season and we've been watching it forever. But when you're watching it at a high rate of speed, you notice something mm. uh, about what's happening to the cast and what the storylines are. And it is fascinating. I'll try to get to that next hour. Hello, America. It's Monday, and uh, we're trying our darndest to be less white. Uh, I don't know about you, but... I'm a little sick and tired of all the whiteness. I'm way too white. You're way too white. Way yeah. too white. Yeah. When I would decrease my whiteness by 30, 40% minimum. Today, Today, I hope, and right? Then in the future, I will hope, hope to be the opposite of well, white. Well, I have to tell you, I, I'm I'm working towards race trader, uh, which, mm. according, according to the left, is now something all white people should... Uh, strive for. Strive right? for. Aspire yeah. to. Yeah, you, you really want to be a race trader. So... That's my goal. Doesn't have to be everybody's goal, but if it's not, you will be destroyed. Uh, so, well, sure. We're going to go into the latest on uh, being less white, according to Coca Cola, in 60 seconds. So, yeah. Gosh, he's so spooky. It's like he's really here. And I know he's not. He's just reading our mind, that Kyle. What's his name? Kyle. Not Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> The guy from Star Wars. Kylo Ren? Yeah, Kylo. 
Kylo Ren. Yeah, I was thinking mm-hmm. Kyler, and I'm like, K- not. Kyle. Kyle. Kyle Ren. Kyle. <laughs> He's a trader, a stock trader. <laughs> well, he is white, you know. <laughs> Kyle. All right. Uh, you have the best pillow that you've ever slept with. If you have a My Pillow, uh, the Giza Dream Sheets from My Pillow, the best, soft, durable. You got two for one. What could possibly make your night's sleep even better? How about the MyPillow mattress topper? The mattress topper guarantees the most restful, deep healing sleep. You, you can have uh, three layers of superior support that will evenly distribute the, um, the body weight and regulate your temperature through the night. Four corner straps to hold the topper in place. And it's all covered with a durable. I'm sorry. Isn't that the penguin in uh, a year without Santa Claus topper? I don't know. I will say <laughs> it is. I, I had grandkids. <clears throat> we watched it. <laughs> uh, anyway, <clears throat> it's all covered with a durable, softer than silk fiber that zips right off completely machine washable and dryable. So get your uh, get your mattress topper now and uh, and sleep really really well with my pillow go to mypillow.com click on the new radio listener specials use the promo code back receive the incredible offer right now the mattress topper and pillows come with a 10-year warranty and 60-day money-back guarantee it's mypillow.com mypillow.com promo code back or call 800-966-3117 mypillow.com promo code back So Coca-Cola has found itself in a little bit of hot water after a viral social media post revealed that some Coca-Cola employees have completed a racial sensitivity training course that teaches participants how to be less white. Now, Carlin Borisenko, who is uh, a psychiatrist and somebody who is fighting against this this crazy, dangerous, and dare I say evil critical race theory that is now being put into all of our corporations. You are going to face this, and you need to stand up against it. Um, she exposed this uh, on uh, Friday, and we're going to talk to her in about 25 minutes about it. But the, the slides from the course titled Confronting Racism states understanding what racism means and what it means to be white what it means to be white okay what does it mean to be black what does it mean to be jewish challenging what it means to be a racist now they go through the slides and uh one says to be less white now imagine again If we were to reverse the colors, that's how you always know if something's wrong. You just reverse the subject. And uh, if the uh, if it feels bad when you say it, eh, then, you know, it's probably racist the other way, too. So if I said you need to be less black, (laughs) Coca-Cola would like their workers to be less black. Really? Wow. Yeah, that would that there would be no Coca-Cola. Yeah, it would be no. one week from today mm-hmm. if they were to do that. Uh, by the way, you want to talk about the whitest American Western company? Uh, I would say it would have to be Coca-Cola. I mean, the when whitest? you whitest 
when you think of white culture, Stu, white culture, they're from Atlanta. Do you think that was black culture? Mm. No, they were oppressing people in Atlanta. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you think of them, an American company, it's always traditionally been Levi's and Coca-Cola. Now, Levi's is kind of bitten the dust a little bit, uh, but Coca-Cola is everywhere. It's an American company. Be less white is to be less Coca-Cola. Really, quite honestly. I mean, dare I say it. Uh, to be less white is to be less oppressive. Hmm. To be less arrogant. To be less certain. To be less defensive. To be less ignorant. To be more I mean, humble. Calling white people as a race ignorant can you again shall we reverse the colors on that one and see how it works i mean let's just all white people are arrogant and ignorant what is racism honestly other than defining a group of people based on a negative characteristic right is 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 ignorance a negative characteristic Uh uh-huh uh is uh is arrogance a negative characteristic of Uh course it is when you define this is the definition of racism robin d'angelo ibram x kendi this entire movement of white fragility and anti-racism should be viewed the same way that richard spencer is viewed yes as a as intellect as racism wrapped in intellectualism yes that's what it is that's what it is. So if you would but have Richard that, Spencer but, out to talk about his ideas to see if maybe that should guide your company while you're selling fizzy beverages, then perhaps you should bring out Robin D'Angelo. Well, IBM might have done that, you know, in the past. They might have brought <laughs> no. the head of the Nazi party, you know. They actually says, may yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where they were. So hmm. we got that going for us. Of course, Ford, Ford Motor Company would have done that as well. Uh, well these are old-timey things. Yeah, these are old-timey things. They would not things. bring them in today, I right. will say. No, but they But they are, would bring in the reverse. They, the, they are bringing in the reverse. It is exactly the same thing. And the problem is, is to be an anti-racist... My, my daughter said to me a few months ago, and I said, I can't answer that right now. I can now. She's like, Dad, why won't you? Th- th- it's not enough to be, you know, not a racist. You have to be anti-racism. And I said, yeah, that sounds good. She said, what's the problem with it? And I said, I don't know, but I can guarantee you something. <laughs> because, well, I, yeah, it I, is. Yeah. It, and look, we are anti-racism, but not part of this anti-racist Ibram X. Kendi is the guy who wrote the book correct. about Correct. We're not part of that. Right. And so the anti-racist as it is being sold mm-hmm. is to conquer racism, to be an anti-racist, you must be racist against the white population. Mm-hmm. So, and that's stated that way. So they <laughs> state that it is racism. The only uh, cure for future or for present discrimination is future discrimination. That's Ibram X. Kendi. He's saying it. We we view there's been oppression, right? And because of that, we must discriminate against white people in the future to make up for that that uh, problem, that oppression. It, because people, black people, were oppressed 50 years ago, we must oppress white people now. That is literally from his book, and and that is what these companies are telling their employees to embrace. Yes.
Now, Coca-Cola says, not so fast, oh, no? Mr. White person. Oh, okay. Maybe you, to be less white, should be less certain. Uh, mm. <laughs> the course in question was administered by author Robin D'Angelo, whose book, White Fragility, has become the staple in many workplace diversity training programs. I mean, that statement in and of itself is the problem. Uh-huh. It, like, they're just saying, well, basically everyone else is doing it, so we should do it, too. That's not a good excuse. If everyone was having would Richard Spencer please, come speak at their company. Would you please listen? Yes. The description of the course stated the intent was to teach attendees what it means to be white, what it means to be racist. The instruction explicitly stated that to be less white is to be less oppressive and less arrogant. However, all of the slideshows and everything. That's what she said you could do on your own time. Oh, so she wasn't Coca-Cola was not saying that to be white is arrogant. They're not doing that. They just hired her to say this is what it means. And you can find this now on my website. And so a bunch of Coca-Cola employees went out and did that. And they were like, ah, oh, this is horrifying. But Coca-Cola wants you to know they did not make that, quote, the focus ah. of the course. Like, for example, if you were to bring in Richard Spencer, a guy who's identified essentially as the uh, intellectual head of the alt-right. Nazi party. The Nazi, yeah, yeah. The, that movement. If you happen to bring him in and have him speak... On, on his love for universal health care. Yeah. Or his love for abortion, for example, yeah. which mm -hmm. are both positions he holds. Yes. His love of socialist government. Yeah, exactly. And shockingly, you know, he's mm. said to be on the right with those views. But we'll ignore yeah. that for a moment <laughs> right. and say, let's say he came in and just said, you know what? We heart abortion here at Coca-Cola and we heart uh, universal health care. Would it be controversial? Yes, sure. He's got that uh, ethno-nationalist thing going on on the side that he referred you to. But that wasn't the focus of our teaching. Right. He just believes Hitler didn't go far enough and we should finish the work that Hitler did with the Jews. But you that wasn't, quote, the focus of the training. Come on. Oh, OK. All right. Now, McDonald's is also doing this. McDonald's on Thursday said that it will tie executive bonuses for new goals for diversifying the company and for the first time publicly release democratic uh, democrat uh, demographic details of its workforce under the new rules. The CEO stands to lose 15 percent of his two point two five million dollar annual bonus if he fails to meet goals to increase the portion of women, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, and other minorities in senior leadership roles. Okay. 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 Uh, Starbucks in October linked compensation to diversity goals, but didn't provide details on how these were going to be weighed and measured. McDonald's said in July it would launch initiatives to increase diversity, but it hadn't developed yet exact mechanisms to do that. Uh, Wednesday, they claimed that it aimed to boost women in leadership roles, senior director and above from 37 to 45 percent globally by the end of 2025. It also said it would increase the portion of historically underrepresented groups in leadership roles in the United States from 29 percent to 35 percent in five years. 
Black people comprise 10% of McDonald's senior level management, higher than the 7% r- uh, reported by other restaurant chains. Now, what is the population percent of black in the general population? 12? Yeah. 13? So they're 10. So they're doing close. I mean, you know, you get it for 10, 15. Mm-hmm. Then that would be normal because unless you're trying to do something where you're not looking at merit, because you should pretty much be able to say, I've got statistically the representation of the country. Sure. You know, and I'm not trying to balance it that way. It's just that, you know, they're good people of all races. And this is 11% of the population. And maybe we have a little bit more because maybe some of our, you know, our franchisees are, you know, grew up in that neighborhood or whatever it is. I would, uh, I would, uh, I would venture to say that anything more than that might be. Right. Race, racist? Were you about to say racism? Because I know, I know that that's that can't work that way. For example, uh, we hear a lot about the racism in the NFL because they only have like something like fifteen percent of their coaches are black, which of course is racist. Somehow, of course, they don't tend to focus on the jobs that you know everyone wants from childhood to play. In the NFL, how a country with 13% African-American population fills up over 70% of the jobs that everyone wants in the NFL. No one ever seems to think that's racist. I certainly don't think it's racist. I think it's a merit-based job. But for some reason, everyone seems to think that's totally normal. As if, I don't know, black people are inherently better at this multi-million dollar job than white people are. No one sees any racism in that implication. However, when coaches are just the representation level of society, that's a crime against humanity. I've got to shut you down. Making Uh, sure I understand the rules, that's all. I'm trying to be less white, and you are clearly going in the opposite direction. You know what? You've shed some white today, and I've I've absorbed the white. You are never going to work at McDonald's or Coca-Cola. You never oh, no. will work there. So take that, put that in I, your, put that in your pipe, Mister Snottier and Holier Than Thou. I, yeah, I, I will say with much of the product I'd be stealing, uh, they don't want me working there anyway. <laughs> uh, I saw a story in the Wall Street Journal today. The money boom is already here. Uh, wow, this is this is really great. Uh, apparently, the money supply. How much? How much do you think has increased in the last year? Probably like a half a percent. A half a something percent, like that. No, seriously. Out of all the money that we have printed, how much more did we print in the last twelve months? I, I mean, I have no idea. Twenty-six percent. Twenty-six percent more money, and that's before the one point nine trillion dollar uh-huh. bill and everything is. else that we've done. Mm-hmm. Okay, twenty-six percent. That's the largest one-year jump since nineteen forty-three. Ah, uh, what happened then? Anything happened then? <laughs> yeah, it was a nuclear nuclear bomb. Oh, uh, went oh on. my gosh! Uh, yeah. Anyway, the money boom is here, according to the Wall Street Journal, and the story goes on. It just blabs for a while, and it's like yeah, it's gonna you know, really devalue the money and something about your dollar being worth less. Or I, I, I didn't read all of it. I just thought more money. That's great. 
may I suggest holding dollars, everything you have in dollars might not be the best idea. Trade some of those dollars for gold. It's easy. Protect your retirement portfolio today before it's too late. I believe that you should have 10% of what you have in gold. Um, that's just a good rule of thumb. Now, your IRA, it can all be done with Goldline, and you can allocate some of your retirement portfolio into precious metals. It's prudent. It is wise. Nobody is saying put everything into it. That's absurd. Now, Goldline is offering 6% in promotional metals delivered directly to you with a qualifying purchase for your self-directed IRA or your 401k or other retirement accounts. Don't wait. Please hedge your bet against the money inflation that is coming. 866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Man, I'm just trying so hard to not be white. Hey, by the way, uh, nearly a third of Americans want to break up the United States into like-minded countries. Now, this is a new poll out. They found a shocking percentage of Americans are in favor of the dissolution of the United States of America. This according to a, a new survey, nearly a third of Americans want to break it up and create smaller like-minded countries. Some people say the divisions within our country have grown so deep that we would be better off dividing into more like-minded regions that would govern themselves separately. Do you support or oppose the idea of dividing the United States into more than one nation? 29%, 10% strongly, 19% somewhat, agreed they were in favor. Noticeable differences based on political lines and geography, surprisingly, 37% of independents were the ones most likely to secede or divide the country. 35% of Republicans wanted to secede, followed by 21% of Democrats who wanted their own country of like-minded individuals. Now, I can guarantee you that Republican and Democrats, those would have flipped had Donald Trump sure. won the election. All, you know, all these polls wind up being affected by who's president. So, Stu, see if this rings an old bell. The proposal now is to divide the U.S. into five regional <laughs> unions based on geography and political affiliation. The Pacific, California, Washington, Oregon, Hawaii, and Alaska. Mountain, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, Colorado, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico. The South, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Then the Heartland and the Northeast. Gee, I'm trying to remember. We'll have to check back on this tomorrow. Who was it? that said we were going to break up in five regions. A hint, it wasn't me. Although I've been saying it, I've been reporting on something for almost 20 years. Tomorrow's broadcast, don't miss it. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
I got a deal for you. Don't tell nobody, okay? But I got a dose of the COVID vaccine right here in my back pocket. It's got your name on it, see? All's I need, and it's just a formality, you understand? I'm going to need your bank account number and your password. No big deal. I mean, I'm with the government. Uh, you get this totally legitimate, not bogus vaccine at all. That is, uh, I'm a cyber criminal. I'm a crime. I'm a crime guy now that because I'm offering you vaccines. Yeah, uh, it's important to know that with COVID going around, cyber crime and identity theft has increased exponentially. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all businesses and transactions, but they can help you keep what's yours, yours, with LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. Join now, save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK, call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code BECK now for 25% off at LifeLock.com. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Save 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Do it now. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The organizational psychologist who uh, helps companies become better. She has uh, now committed herself to combating the influence of critical race theory in America. Her name is uh, Dr. Carlin Borisenko, good friend of the program. Hi, Carlin. How are you? I'm doing well, Glenn. Thanks for having me back. So you made uh, some headlines over the weekend. Uh, You are the one who wrote the first post about Coca-Cola. Tell me how this happened and and what happened. Yeah, so on Friday, well, let me back up one day. On Thursday, Coca-Cola sent out an email to its employees about this this uh, this diversity training program that they were implementing in which they said a specific course of programming was required. Now, the very next day, I got an email from a whistleblower at the company who had been talking with their team members, and all of them were incredibly uncomfortable about this specific training that told them to try to be less white. And so one of them was very brave and he has watched my videos on YouTube and reached out to me and provided me evidence of the training. And I posted it on Twitter, frankly, not really expecting it to get the reception that it did, because I feel like I've been screaming about these Mm -hmm. training programs for the better part of a year. But thankfully, uh, a lot of people took notice and it's really gotten a lot of attention. Now, Coca-Cola has done some really disturbing things. They are all in on the Great Reset and the ESGs, which people need to watch for. ESG, environmental, social, and governmental standards. So the social part is like critical race. It is social justice. Uh, the environmental piece is, is the Green New Deal. Uh, and these companies are resetting, and Coca-Cola has been on the forefront of it. If you look into Coca-Cola's online presence and what they say, their bottling company in Europe actually justifies, says, in order for us to justify our business license, we do X, Y, and Z. And 
uh, when did we have to start justifying a business license? I mean, you have to be within the parameters, but now you have to do social work. You have to do training on critical race theory, et cetera, et cetera, to, quote, justify your business license. They're just ahead of the 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 rest of these corporations, I think. Well, maybe, but I actually think that the questions at play here are much bigger than Coca-Cola. You know, a lot of people have been calling for a boycott of Coca-Cola since the news broke. And while I think that's all fine, well, and good, the reality is that this training exists on LinkedIn learning. And what that means is that there are probably thousands of other companies out there that are having employees do this very same training. And we already know that there are there are employees from some of the biggest companies in the world that are actually taking this training as we speak. So for my money, I think that the story about Coke is interesting just because it's a really large company. But mm-hmm. the 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 um, the amount of companies that are already doing this and the amount of money that Robin D'Angelo is making convincing white people that they are racist is the real story here. So tell me what she was teaching. Coca-Cola came out and said, no, 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 that stuff on that stuff on LinkedIn, that wasn't the focus of the training. That's how they tried to deny it and say that, no, 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 we weren't doing any of that. What were they doing? Well, I also think it's worth noting that you're you're quoting Coca-Cola's first statement that was procured by the Blaze, but they actually came out with a second statement a couple hours later, which says, oh, no, no, we weren't having our employees do this specific training at all. So they went from confirmation to denial within a couple hours. But I mean, this is this is very typical Robin D'Angelo training. It, it's teaching white people that they are every negative, every negative thing in the book. And what it's actually doing is um, Robin D'Angelo's biggest grievances are, frankly, with people who are presenting a self-empowerment uh, that she feels uncomfortable with. It's when people, you know, aren't, aren't afraid to express themselves, aren't afraid to stand up for what they believe in. It's a very specific type of communication style that she seems to have the most grievances with. And she's labeled that as all white people, which, of course, is not the case at all. And in fact, I'll tell you this, the whistleblower that reached out to me is not white in any way, shape or form. And they were still uncomfortable with the specific training. So there are so many people that I know. I have friends in in so many different businesses in big companies from, you know, from financial houses to lawyers to architects to show people. Um, and they are they're all saying they're going through these trainings. And I've asked them, so what are you doing about it? We just shut up. I said that that's possibly the worst thing you can do. And they're like, I don't want to lose my job, Glenn. And I honestly don't know who's on my side. I know a couple of people that we kind of look at each other during the meetings, but I don't know who's shutting their mouth and who feels like this is the right thing to do. And I'll lose my job. What should people do? Yeah, I mean, it is a sticky situation to be in because even if you ask questions about these trainings, you are at very real risk of losing your job. But I'll tell you this, what I'm trying to do right now is actually I'm working on getting critical race theory banned in state agencies and in state contractors at a state level in New Hampshire. There is actually a bill right now. I just testified for it last week in the New Hampshire House of Representatives called HB 544, which would ban state money being spent on this type of training. And I actually know from the whistleblower 
whistleblowers at Coke that when President Trump issued his executive order that banned this at a federal level, Coke actually put the pause on it for a minute and they brought it back after Biden rescinded the executive order on his first day. So I think the very best thing people can do right now is reach out to your state representatives, try to get this banned on a state level in state agencies and in state government contractors, and that'll go a long way. I think we also need uh, some sort of a uh, a lawyer action group that can uh, give people advice or represent people. I mean, I can't believe that if you object to a uh, you have to be less white, I can't believe that you're going to lose in a court of law. Well, it's funny because I don't know if you've been following the story of Jody Shaw, who was a whistleblower at Smith College, but she just resigned over like last week uh, in re- in reference to the same type of thing happening at Smith College. And she filed complaints with their HR offices. And what she was told was civil rights laws aren't written to protect people who look like you. Wow. Uh, I'd love to see that tested Uh uh, in court because that, if that's true we're done as a nation yeah you mentioned that that people that who the person who reached out to you was not white with the coca-cola thing i, I think it's fascinating yep. and that like how important in the turnaround of this nonsense is it for people who are not white to step up and say this is wrong because that's got to be a crucial part of the momentum to turn this around. Because it it's all white Luther people King. talking about, right? Exactly. Martin when Luther white King people, had a lot of white pastors and yeah, a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's critical to the operation because how this is usually framed is that the reason the white people speak up is that they're scared or they're fragile or any of these things. And that's simply not the case. So I think that everyone who is this should not be a black or white or brown issue. This shouldn't even be a Democrat versus Republican issue, quite frankly. If you are opposed to racism, you should be opposed to things like this. And I have to tell you, some of the feedback I've received from black people has been, well, Carlin, we were told to be less black in the workplace for years. And that's very valid. But that's also wrong and racist. That shouldn't be happening either. And if you're against that type of racism, then you should be against this as well. So tell me, see, the problem with critical race theory to me and this anti-racist thing is its objective is to employ reverse racism. The only way to uh, cure it is to punish those Uh, of another race and to have this reverse racism, which is an incredible goal to have. So they admit that that's what they're trying to do. Correct or not correct? Yeah, that's that's exactly correct. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, it, the the goal of critical race theory is that racism exists everywhere, and it says that white people put these systems in place in order to maintain power, and the only way to get rid of racism is to you know bring bring the white people down a level, essentially. So, how do you argue with somebody who says, "Well, how can you disagree that white people wrote the rules, and and this country was, you know, founded by a bunch of white people?" <clears throat> Well, I would say, yeah, it was founded by a bunch of white people, but this country has been all about progress and creating a more perfect union. I mean, the founders of this country were not perfect men, but they were good men and they were trying to do the right thing. And even when Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, it was very obvious that he was uncomfortable with slavery and was trying to build mechanisms in to get slavery, um, you know, to be outlawed in the future. And so I think that, you know, we are not a perfect country, but we get better and better and better all the time. And 
these policies are simply regressing us back to a place that is that was even before the civil rights movement in this country. It makes absolutely no sense. And I just don't think the people uh, continuing them have thought about what the end goal is. They don't they don't take into consideration that when Robin D'Angelo says all white people are racist. Well, guess what? She means you, too. And she means the CEOs of all these companies. And if the goal is to destroy white privilege, well, that means all of your institutions are going to get tear down, torn down in the process. And so what, what does that really leave us with? I don't think that uh, leaves us much to build on. There are very real and valid questions about race in this country, but this is not the way to fix it. I can't believe that you ever you were ever thinking that you were, you know, liberal or progressive. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe it <laughs> to hear you quote Thomas Jefferson and our founders. Uh, I'm just so happy and and uh, proud to be your friend, proud to be your friend. Uh, well, thank you, Glenn. And I have to tell you, it's, it's been a little over a year since I went to that Trump rally. I do I do consider myself a liberal, um, but I think that I, I consider myself a liberal in the way that, you know, I'm classic. a free thinker. I like listening. Yeah, classical yeah, liberal, if you I'm will. I'm a classic Although liberal. I, I refuse to modify it with that term, though, because I think that the word liberal gets a bad rap and, and I want to take it back. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Good for you. Um, Carlin, thank you so much. Carlin Borisenko. Uh, more in just a second. Sherry lives in Michigan. She used to have pain in her hips. It was so bad she could barely get out of bed. She spent most of her day not getting up and it would frequently drive her to tears. Thankfully, her husband took the time to start researching things to help, you know, help her anything, anything. He eventually landed on Relief Factor. He suggested she give it a try. And of course, she said yes. She had nothing to lose except for her pain. She said once she started taking it, it didn't take very long to see the results. Literally. Five days after taking it, she started noticing that her pain was severely diminished. Shortly after that, she was completely out of pain. These days, she has no problem getting around. Sherry got her life back. And so could you. Please try it. Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com. Just try it for three weeks. If it doesn't work in three weeks, probably not going to work for you. Just try it. ReliefFactor.com. Call 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, we were just talking to Carlin uh, Borisenko about this training that companies are doing now uh, to be anti-racist that is so racist in and of itself and how important it is for uh, you know, African-Americans or Hispanics to stand up and go, I, this is not the world I want, you know, and, and it's going to be hard because people have been told be less black at work. You want to be successful, be less black. Now, I, I think that was wrong when it was said. And I don't, I mean, I don't think that's true now. It might be in some, I mean, if you're in a bank or, right. you know, and, and you're like, Yo, 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 dog. Okay, maybe. Right. Eminem should also be told to wear, wear a suit right. at his bank if that's where right. he's working. If, you're, if right. you're walking down the street and you have a bunch of people all tatted up and they look like thugs, like Eminem, mm-hmm. and they're all white, and you cross the street as they're coming for you, uh, you're not racist. You're probably just <laughs> you know stereotyping. They could all be missionaries. You don't know, but why risk it? 
Um, <laughs> right. The same could be yeah. said if you do cross the street and because you, you see a bunch of black men that are wearing suits or all dressed nicely or whatever. You are a racist right. if you cross if the street. <laughs> you're crossing the street because of a bunch of African-American bankers walking your way. Then right. Yes, you're probably right. a racist. And it's it's the same. I mean, I had that guy on, that white guy from Canada, the rapper. What was his name? We had him on a couple of weeks ago. All tatted up, has you know nose rings and eye piercings and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, you look like a skinhead. You look like somebody that I want to stay way away from. Mm-hmm. That's not who he is. How did he take that? Did he take it well? Yeah, he actually did. He actually did. He's like, I know, I know. Um, but am I, if he was another color, he happened to be white. Right. If he was another color, I, I, I couldn't say that to him. <clears throat> and the same, pe- the same people who will tell you, like, that's what white people do. They cross the street when, when black people come nearby are the same people like AOC who will say they, they thought the Capitol Police were there to hurt them when they showed up to rescue them in the middle of right. the January 6th thing. Right. Like we, you know, it, it's, you know, it is the old school definition of racism mm-hmm. to say if a bunch of black guys who are bankers in suits walking towards you, if you cross the street, you're racist. That's old school, though. That's not Robin DiAngelo. Robin DiAngelo is not saying she's what she would say is, well, look in the look in the nearest store window. And if the reflection is white, then, yes, you're a racist. That's her definition. That's an old, that's a new thing. And no, it was the oldest kind of thing out there. Well, it, the Klan made a lot of money. Yeah, it. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's just pure racism, is what it is. But I mean, it is. It's signing negative characteristics to a group of people based on skin color. Hard to figure out how that's not racism. But every store you walk in is telling its employees that this is the right way to go. And it, I, I, I what, what we were just talking about, and like, it's really, really important that people of color come out and say this is idiotic. It's if white people can rail about it all day long, it means very little when people come out. And this is an identity politics world. It was the Christians, it was the Jews, it was the RFKs of the world. It were it was the brave white people that helped Martin Luther King break this barrier you have to have a very diverse group to be able to stop this kind of nonsense stand together this is the glenn back program